Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers from Moto America, and this is our weekly podcast, Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Bice, who's my counterpart out in Ohio. Uh, the two of us are madly getting all our ducks in a row as we prepare to leave for Daytona next week, which I find hard to believe that it's here. It seemed like it took forever to get here, and then all of a sudden, it's here. Uh, Sean, you all ready? Or are you? I, I, I'm, I get nervous for this one. I don't know why. I guess because it's the first one, but even more so because it's Daytona. Yeah, I mean, one week, baby. I can't believe it. It's going to happen. And, you know, obviously the season starts earlier for us this year, earlier than it ever has. And yeah, I mean, I know you've been to a, a million Daytonas. I've been to a few, but it's been a little while since either of, us have, either of us have gone. I guess we haven't gone, been there since 14. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to get back down there. And, you know, obviously it's iconic, certain things aren't going to change about it, but, uh, you know, there's some interesting things going on with, with what we've got going there. I mean, to see, see baggers up on the, the banks and, and, you know, the 200 is going to be an interesting mix of some, some motorcycles. So, uh, we're, we're definitely having a different Daytona event this year than, but they've, they've been different before. I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of changes over the years from the beach to, you know, super bikes to two stroke or two strokes to super bikes, um, to, you know, thousand CC bikes to now 600 based ones for the big 200, but it's, uh, it's still iconic. It's still that track and that place. And it's a right of spring for us, I guess. So really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's funny this morning, I was thinking about it and, you know, there was, there was a few years when my dad actually ran the factory Yamaha team from our garage in San Diego. Yeah. And it, it, I just remember like, it's kind of a similar feeling and I'm sure the other teams and race teams are like this till this day. It's like, you know, the last minute you possibly can, you're still working on stuff and throwing it in the van or the truck and, and then doing the drive to Daytona. And I just remember like our house was sort of like basically any, if, if you were a motorcycle racer and you were from Australia, you ended up at our house. Uh, you know, my dad and mom opened their arms to motorcycle racers from Australia. So like Greg Hansford and Warren Willing and those guys would come to our house and, and work on their bikes. And then, and then actually, I remember one time it was, uh, you know, we had like two or three vehicles and we were just going cross country driving from San Diego to, to Daytona with the bikes in the back and, and this whole contingent of mostly Australians. And it was, I mean, I think I was probably 15, 16 years old. It was, I was probably 14 or 15, but it's, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And Daytona has always been one of those places where, you know, not only is it the start of the season, but it, it just, it always has this, like when I drive through the tunnel there, you kind of get, you know, the hair on the back of your neck stands up and it's just like, Oh my God, it's Daytona. You know, it's just got that completely different feel than anything else. So I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, it's a bit of a scramble at this point because it always is. I don't care how long you have to get ready for an event there's a lot of it that just still ends up coming down to the last minute, but um, I'm going to bring on our guest today, Brandon Posh, who uh, the timing is perfect because as, as most of you would know, he's the defending Daytona 200 champion. Uh, so it's nice to talk to him, obviously on the week prior to, to us getting rolling down there at Daytona. 
Uh, Brandon was most recently in the um, British Superbike Series in the Superbike Super Sport class, sorry. And uh, he had a couple of uh, podium finishes and, and ended up eighth in the championship. Uh, he was third in the 2020 Moto America Super Sport Championship. And we remember him, Sean, I know you do as well, but way <laughs> back in 2015 when he was just a, a little skinny kid. Now he's a tall, skinny kid, but he was a little skinny kid and he came, I don't remember, it might, it seems like it might've been Utah or something, but he shows up and gets on the podium. And right away when we were in the press conference, I could tell he was a little bit of a smart ass and I kind of liked it and he was funny. And most kids that age don't have that kind of star power, but he already had it. And now he's just a bigger smart ass. And uh, anyway, Brandon, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing swell. How are you guys? Swell is a good word for what I'm not right now, but I'm working on being swell. Right on. Where, tell us where you are. Uh, well, I'm currently sitting here uh, in Palm Springs, just waiting for a flight back home to New Jersey. I just got done this past weekend testing with Altus for the first time. And then I had a, a couple days here just chilling out in sunny California, getting some mileage in on the pedal bike and now I'm back to Antarctica. <laughs> now I saw you, I saw on Strava, you went on a pedal bike and you got a flat with, which reminded me of me a lot because you had got a flat, <laughs> but didn't have any way of fixing it. Yeah. Six, did you walk the six miles or, or did you get somebody confined you or what? No, I, I actually, I was lucky enough to have uh, my buddy Rob Silva pick me up <laughs> because I was only right down the street from his house. The, yeah, I forgot. Like, so when I travel, I fly with my bike and stuff most of the time. You're not allowed to fly with the CO2 with the right. air. So I forgot, and uh, which is actually pretty lucky that it, I flatted where I did. But, um, but yeah, I went to go get the CO2 out, and there was none. So <laughs> I was stuck on the side of the road for a little while. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. So we've got... Uh... So you're, you're headed back to back home and then I guess later in the week, head down to Daytona. Yeah. So I fly home today. I have like a day or two to kind of get all my stuff ready. And then uh, I'm actually going to test the Daytona bike. So um, it's a, it's a pretty busy schedule that I've got going on here the, the past couple of weeks and the next few weeks. So just jamming everything in has been kind of crazy with like testing with all this and now going to test this and doing some other stuff before the Altus test. And after uh, Daytona, we go straight to testing with Altus and then we go straight to Coda. So it's a lot of back to back to back stuff. So, all right, well, let's, uh, good. let's talk real quick about the first test with Altus. Um, you know, we've, we've watched you for, for many years, sort of, you know, wedge yourself into a motorcycle and you almost need a shoehorn to, to, to fit is yep. was it nice to finally get on a big bike since you're a big boy man i can't remember the last time that i've actually sat on a bike and not felt like i was cramped and, and not felt like i um i didn't belong on the thing and i got on the suzuki 1000 and and everything just fits so good and like from the first time i rode it i was like oh man this is so nice to have some power behind it like i can actually feel like i'm not a I'm not too big for, for what I'm trying to do. And I mean, that's a good feeling too, where like now I don't need to starve myself so much. Like there was years where I was just not eating at all, like no breakfast, no lunch. So um, now being able to eat and train properly and like life's a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. 
the I saw you I saw the the results and some some social media stuff from the race at Chuckwalla. It looked like you got third, but you also you the, the two guys who beat you raced there a hell of a lot, and that's Michael Gilbert and David Anthony. So uh, overall, were you pleased with it? I mean, were you just going racing just to get more laps? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm super pumped with that. That's the first time that I've ever been on the bike. We uh, we rode Friday, so we got four 15 minute practice sessions, which was we're not changing a damn thing. Just ride the bike and and try and feel it out to see uh, what you like, what you don't like. But we're not changing anything. Um, get through Friday, and then Saturday we we're supposed to have a 15 minute qualifier and two six lap race as well. We got the 15 minute qualifier, made a couple changes. Then the whole race schedule got destroyed. We got one four lap race in instead of two six lap races. So not a whole lot of laps there on Saturday. And then Sunday we had like a, a short practice in the morning, a six lap sprint and then the shootout. So we're really, uh, we we're kind of struggling for track time, but um, no, it was absolutely insane. Like I was super pumped with the lap times that we actually pumped out. And I mean, obviously getting beat by anybody I'm not happy about, but um but yeah, I mean, it was just a test for me. It wasn't one of them ones where like I'm showing up and I have to win. And if I don't win, it's a problem. Like, I honestly, it's good to kind of fly under the radar and let everybody think that, that, uh, you're not going to be there. So. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, that, that Altus Suzuki stock 1000 bike has developed quite a legacy for itself. I mean, obviously Cam Peterson was on it to start with and, you know, won the, won the Superbike Cup and the, the championship, then moved up. Jake Lewis reinvigorated his career on that same bike last year, and now he's in Superbike. So, you know, we've pointed it out a few, little bit on social media and noticed that you've, you've given us some thumbs up and stuff. But obviously, you're the next in line to kind of take that same pathway. Um, that's uh, that, that you can go for a 3P for that team in Stock 1000. And also Superbike Cup, how, how are you feeling about that uh, in front of you? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, that's my goal, right? Like, I, I don't sign up for anything, not expecting to at least fight for a championship or fight for race wins. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I signed up for it. I knew what I was getting into. And I know there's a lot of, quote, pressure around it because uh, from the outside, it looks like there's a, oh, you, you can't be the first guy to not win the championship, but at the end of the day for me, like it's a, it's a good learning opportunity for me. I get to work with some pretty experienced guys on a good team with a good bike and show up and see what we're, what we're capable of. I, I think we have a really good shot at winning some races and winning the championship. So yeah, I mean, that's obviously my end goal is like I said, win the championship, move up the Superbike, hopefully with, uh, with M4. So. Yeah. And being that you were on that bike, uh, or I'm sorry, being that Jake Lewis was on that bike last year and you were on that bike, bike in this test and you mentioned the fact that it's nice to be on a bike that's a bigger size we we know obviously jake lewis is a tall drink of water too and his setup is uh expansive i guess with foot pegs and all that did, did you get on the bike that he had or did you guys work with it a little bit before you even did it or did you start with his setup uh i i started with his setup actually and i mean <clears throat> he is pretty big but he he rides a little bit goofy in my opinion like with how like his um his seating position was like I, I didn't really like how he he had like a big bump on the back of the seat and stuff and I was like yeah that's not not for me but um but yeah I mean we started 100% identical to his setup and just kind of worked our way away from it slightly just because of the style of the track and Chuck Wall is not really a 
I'd say a super bike track per se. It's more of a uh, fast, like flowy, always on the edge of the tire kind of thing. Not a lot of uh, brake pressure around the track. So, I mean, starting with Jake's setup around there, we weren't using much of the the travel on the forks, which I kind of expected. But um, once we made some changes, like spring rate changes, it was beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably start with his settings most of the races. Yeah, I was thinking, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of things that make some sense there. And, you know, the bike is obviously highly developed. Now, I know that I know you had mentioned M4 and Team Hammer is involved in that program. They build the bikes and service them and, and everything. So it is that pathway back to that team. And I say back to that team because you had some involvement with that team a couple of years ago. And it seems like they've kind of developed what I would say, I guess, maybe a quote academy because they've taken some guys and developed them up through. And certainly the, the ultimate was for S SDK, Sean Dylan Kelly to get back or to get into Moto2. I know that's a pathway you'd like to take. So if you, you know, you're going to be on a bigger bike, but maybe it seems like there's something in place there to make, make that kind of thing happen. Did that weigh into your decision to uh, race with Altus this year that, that ultimately it, it may get you back to where, you know, you were, where you want to be? Yeah. I mean, that thought's always going to be in the back of my mind, but at the end of the day, I need to really focus on what's right in front of me and try and uh, try and maximize the situation that I'm in. So uh, I'm trying to not let my mind wander too far into the future really. And, just stay focused on what, what we can control right now, which is fighting for the stock thousand championship. And that's right in front of me. All the opportunities are there. I have everything I need to get the job done. So now it's just stay focused, get the job done. And if the opportunity presents itself, I'll be ready. So that's kind of my, my game plan on that. Damn, Paul, this guy's is such a professional. I mean, did you hear that answer? That's exactly what you want to hear. I'm not going to talk about two years from now. I'm going to talk about this this year so good job <laughs> he, he always he always says the right stuff it's true so brandon let's scoot forward a little bit to daytona does does going in there driving under the tunnel does it have a different will it have a different feeling for you this year as the guy who won the daytona 200 last year <clears throat> um honestly for me i don't think so um i really think that it's it's uh it's going to be the same as it was last year driving in there. Um, every year I go there, I always feel like I'm kind of the underdog, you know, like people aren't really, aren't really having me on the radar. I, I feel like, I mean, maybe this year it's a bit different, like, yeah, okay, I'm coming back as the champion, but nobody really knows what bike I'm riding or what team I'm riding for, what I'm doing. So I feel like I'm still a bit of an underdog and I really like that, you know, like that's what kind of gets you fired up on race day to, to kind of prove some people wrong. So for me, it's, it's going there and, kind of just just focus on me get the job done and and hopefully at the end of the weekend we come out of there with two rolexes <laughs> well let's talk a little bit about the the team and the bike that you're racing is it is it la is it the bike you won on last year uh no i'm on a completely different team completely different bike um last year i raced the yamaha oh i'm stupid with, i knew that tsc this year we're jumping on the new triumph 765 with tobc and Michelle Lindsay put together a, a pretty amazing program for me and Danny Eslick. So um, I'm, I'm pretty pumped with that. I actually, I don't even know if, if I was supposed to say that yet, but I'm sure the, the press release should be out like ASAP. So we always get stuff before press releases are issued. That's, <laughs> that's our job, Sean. Yeah, right? the, the entry list is out too, Brandon. Well, that's and true. It, yeah, so, it, yeah. In fact, 
In fact, one thing, you know, Paul is right. Actually, I wanted to ask you that same question. And are you on the same bike you were on last year? And I don't mean the Daytona 200. I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's what I You're going to be on That's what I meant. That's yeah, what Paul no. meant. Yeah. Are you on the same bike as you were on in British Super Sport or not? Or it's, similar? I should say. It's very, very, very close. Very close. We've okay. uh, we've had a lot of help with the with the team from last year. Um, the Dynavolt Triumph team, Simon Buckmaster, and my, my crew chief over there, Simon Bleasdale, they've really been giving us a lot of insight and, and info towards this build of, of the Daytona bike and um, really trying to help us out, get the, get the build process sped up and all the little tricks that we wound up finding throughout the season last year and, and what we liked and what we didn't like with the bike and stuff like that. So we definitely do have a fair amount of information going into it, but last year was a development year with the bike in, in the British championship and by no means were we, uh, were we a hundred percent perfect by the end of the year. So, um, I mean, every little bit helps and, and yeah, I mean, I should be getting on the thing and it should feel real familiar. So that's a positive for me. Sean's a little bit more familiar with the entry list than I am. Cause he's been pouring over it and finding mistakes <laughs> yes. and typos and things that he does. <laughs> things that he loves it's to do. It's two A's in Osh, for God's sake. It's not Pash, it's Osh. Did they have that wrong? No, oh. no, they don't have it wrong at all. I've just given an example of a name that right. could, so, be but isn't. So anyway, the, the fact of the matter is like you're, you're, you've spent some time on this Triumph, obviously, so you know that motorcycle really well. You won the race last year on a Yamaha. And I think back to my original thing about the entry list is I, I believe that there's probably more Yamaha R6s in the race than anything else. Yep. Is that right, Sean? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, so you, you won on the Yamaha last year. You know this Triumph really well. Do you, which bike would you, do you think that the, the Triumph is going to be a good bike for that race? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I do. I, I, I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, it's a very, very strong pulling engine. So like in my opinion or where I'm expecting it to be quick is like off all the tight corners and out of the chicane. And I mean, I, it's also very light. It's narrow. It's very like nimble too. So change of direction is easy on the banking should be no problem. Like I just don't see where it's really going to have any faults per se. I mean, I honestly, I think we should have a, we should have a really uh, a good shot at at least being at the front. So I'm not too stressed out about it. And I think that the bike's going to work well. I think I'm going to work well with the team. I think it's going to be cool to have Danny as my teammate, have a, a dance partner in qualifying. And I mean, everything's just looking so good right now that I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> now you obviously know how to win that race because you've done it. And Daytona is kind of a, it's a different it's a different race and not just because of the distance, but obviously there's pit stops and, and, and I think, you know, if it's the same as it used to be, everybody's on really hard tires. So it, it seems to bring everybody closer together. Like it's hard for the, the, the best guy and the 10th guy, it, it's difficult to get a big separation in lap time because that's the way things work out. And then in the race, right. it comes down to a big drafting battle and nobody's really out of it until they're out of it. It did last year probably taught you a lot about how to manage that race because you obviously did it perfectly. Does that, right. that, that's a big help for you. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like anytime that you can spend at the front of the 200 and, and be fighting at the front, whether it's actually winning the race or just being there and, and learning from these guys, like 
anytime that you can do that is, is obviously great. And I mean, this, this past year was <clears throat> my second actual 200. Um, and I don't know if you guys watched the, the first one I did and I think it was 19, but it was me and Fonger at the front, like 30 second lead ahead of whoever was Wyman or something. But like, <clears throat> there's a lot of strategy that comes into the race. The team makes a big difference, the, the pit stops and honestly, just, uh, like keeping keeping a calm head you know because there's a lot of situations that can happen in the 200 there's a lot of small mistakes that can happen whether it be with the pit stops or you make a mistake on track or or you yeah who knows like there's so much stuff that can happen like for example the first year we, we went out with tse and our race engine blew up in the first qualifier so like there's so much that can happen at daytona and it's just a it's a very unique track a very unique race and it's a, it's a difficult one to judge, but if you keep yourself in the fight, then, then you're there. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's always the, the goal. Just stay with the group and see what happens because there is always points during the race where the group's going to blow apart. There's going to be, somebody's going to have a faster pit stop than you and you just, you can't stop pushing. That's the only thing. And, uh, you can see it in some of the previous years, like people don't ride to the limit and then, they get caught or they make mistakes because they're not, they're not pushing themselves and staying, staying sharp mentally. So um, it's a very mental game for me. And, and I think the, the more focus you can put into it and, and the sharper you keep your mind, especially throughout that whole race, don't let your mind wander at all. Like the, the better you're going to be off at the end. So. So Brandon, this is this part of the uh, episode. I'm going to, I'm going to channel a different person here and, Actually, Paul's gonna, I'm scared Paul's already. Laugh. <laughs> Paul's going to laugh about no, he's it. channeling. I'm, I'm going to channel Matthew Miles because Paul knows Matthew asks a lot of questions about t- tires to the point where I, he's got to have like quotes from every rider he's ever talked to with extensive information about tires. But I do want to ask you, and I want to point this out to the fans too, that Unlike our normal super sport series, the rounds that we have were up and actually our entire Moto America series where we normally have Dunlop is our spec tire. They're a huge sponsor of us. Well, this Daytona 200 is open to different tires and it's kind of notable that you, Brandon Posh, are going to be on Pirelli's, which you raced on last year. So you have some familiar, some familiarity with them. I want to ask you a couple questions about them. And I also noticed that attacks team is going to be on Pirelli. So Jake Gagne and Cam Peterson will be on Pirelli's as well. And Stan Bowley's won a 200 uh, a couple times on Pirelli tires. And some of the, this information, I have to credit to Mike Kopolis with Robem Engineering because he's pretty good about knowing this. We have heard that the, the Pirelli's are a little bit lighter and there may be somewhat of an advantage there. I don't know. Could be an advantage for you because you've been on Pirelli's before. Um, do you, do you have anything that you can share with us about why, did you suggest that your team be on Pirelli's because of your familiarity, because of maybe it's advantage at that track, or did it enter into your situation at all? Um, honestly, for me, it was more of a, uh, a respecting out of having a really long-term relationship with Pirelli all through my amateur career and obviously winning the race with them last year and just just being comfortable on the tires after having a full season on the same tires last season. Like for me, it was just a kind of a, like no offense to anybody at Dunlop, but a no brainer for me because I have all this experience on the Pirelli tires. I know what the front tires like. I know how the Daytona rear tires are. Like I know 
I know so much about the tires and how the feel is and what to expect that for me to, to just change my tires <clears throat> from one Daytona 200 to the next on top of everything else we're changing. I just think it's too, too much different stuff to be worried about when we already know how the tires are going to react. I already know personally, like every, everything about it. So I just didn't see a, a reason for me to, to swap manufacturers when we're already like, we have all of our data from, from the British championships all on Prairies. So we, we switched tires. Now all that data is irrelevant. So yeah. And, and my thought. Further, further to that, Brandon, is it true that some people, and, and we've talked to, to uh, uh, Garrett Gerloff about this too. And we've had him on with his switch to Pirelli's within world Superbike. is the front tire on a, the front Pirelli is quite a bit different than a Dunlop front, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's, it's very, very different. And um, for me, like I, I personally enjoy the feel of the Pirelli front tire better than the Dunlop. And that's just, I've got a lot of laps on Pirelli's. I've also got a decent amount of laps on Dunlop's I'd say. And uh, the Pirelli for me, it's just super soft and, and gummy and you can feel every little thing that it's doing where like the Dunlop's a more vague feeling. It's, and I mean, I've also, I've spent more time on the Pirelli DOT with the, with the cuts in the tire compared to the Dunlop slick. So the Dunlop slicks are going to have a different feel than a DOT anyways. But yeah, I just, I like having that feel on the front tire and being able to kind of tell where the limit's at. Whereas with the Dunlop, I, I've noticed over the years, when you start to get to the limit, you're, you're uh, usually just about over it, you know? Yeah. And then, and then one more thing related is, the tires I want to ask you it's funny this this what I'm about to say kind of came up with when Petrucci was at Portimao recently and he was over there testing his Panigale uh, or a Panigale V4R maybe not his superbike but he was over there with the world superbike guys and he was on Dunlop tires so he had intimated that something that Josh Hayes told me a long time ago that would come up a lot of times at Miller when we would race at Miller when World Superbike was there with their Pirellis. And it was the idea of Pirelli rubber and Dunlop rubber down on the track at the same time. And it used to affect Josh a little bit. And Petrucci actually pointed it out too. Is that anything that you've ever noticed when you have rubber from dissimilar uh, rubber tire companies? Does it, does it affect you or do you notice it? I have not ever noticed it. Um, I'd say the, the one time that you could notice it a little bit was when I did the GP in 2019. Um, Moto3 and Moto2 are uh, Dunlop, and then GP is Michelin. I'm right. pretty sure, right? The Michelin. So yeah, we would go right. onto the track, uh, and usually we'd be the first out after the GP sessions. And, yeah, you could definitely feel a difference in the asphalt, but as far as like being in the BSB stuff, everybody's on Pirelli's except for usually the Moto3 classes Dunlop over there. So the, the Moto3s aren't putting down enough rubber to, to really make a difference for, for being on a big bike. And then obviously being in Moto America, I've always been on Dunlop. So I've never, I've never had to experience that. But um, for example, like Daytona last year or the past couple of years, you can't tell a difference, especially when you're on the track at the same time. Um, I, I think it's more of a case of when you have like a, when you have like a, a group of super bikes or GP bikes laying down that much rubber, because you got to think like those guys are all at such a high level. They're, they're laying down more rubber than anybody else. <laughs> pretty much like they're, they're putting down a thick coating of rubber on the track. And then you have somebody else that's also equal caliber to them. Who's trying to lay down a different kind of rubber. And it's like the rubbers don't, I don't know. It, it just seems like 
it it doesn't mix very well. <laughs> but that's that's at a really really high level on a super bike, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it'll be an interesting thing as we go on with the two hundred. You know, the majority of the fifty riders that are in, in going to qualify for that race are on Dunlop. There's only a few you guys on Pirellis, and I I think there might be one rider on on Michelin. And you know, it's just something. Maybe maybe it'll be something you'll notice during the race but it's something i i wanted to ask you because you know obviously when we're in a spec series like this all of the classes are on dunlop and we don't really experience much of that but um it's something like i said that petrucci's mentioned and and since you've been on pirelli's before you you're it when you jumped on the stock 1000 to test did did you notice anything or it's just it's a different bike anyway so there's a lot of different things from your 765 to that big gsxr is is that kind of the case yeah, I mean, jumping on that thing, everything is different. Um, the, the good thing for me is growing up, I rode a lot of different bikes back to back to back, and I would spend a lot of time at track days just circulating on all my friends' bikes, like riding Cowies and Hondas and all sorts, just anything I could get my hands on, I would ride. So for me, jumping on a new bike, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an insanely difficult task for me to try and adapt to it, which is definitely a positive for me now. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, everything's pretty much different from that to the to the Triumph. And I could notice a difference in the tires, but I'm also coming from, like I said, the DOTs uh, on Pirelli's to now a slick on a Dunlop and getting used to the different profiles of the tires and and the compounds and everything like that. It's it's been uh, it's been a bit of a, a tricky process, but like I'm starting to be able to pick up on little things that like when I'm feeling a certain thing on the Dunlop what we can do to change that feeling or, or to make me like accept that feeling a bit better. It's, it's just getting my head wrapped around it. And once I figure it out, I'll be, I'll be fine. But just taking the steps to learn it before showing up to a, a Moto America race and having to ride on, on the absolute limit. You know, The tire thing's interesting, Sean. I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of something that's even slipped my mind a little bit because we're just not so used to it. Right. Uh, we're so used to having a spec tire, like in all series now, and uh, it, I think that's going to make it interesting for sure. I'm, I'm actually surprised that when you said the attack team's using Pirelli's, um, I don't know, it, it, if it was me, I'd be a little nervous. Like I'm, I'm racing a Pirelli at Daytona, then I've got to go back to my Dunlops and I'm wondering if they're ever going to give me one that's round again, you know? Because <laughs> I'm like, hey, are they going to give me better service with me winning on a Pirelli? Yeah. Are they going to give the other guy better service who who stuck with Dunlops at Daytona? I mean, the only thing too is like attack. Like this is the only 600 race they're going to do all year too. True. So, True. Um, that, but I also heard there might be a, a couple of Suzuki's running Pirellis as well. You mentioned uh, how much you'd like to have two Rolexes. What? I'm curious, the, the Rolex from last year, does it get worn or is it just hidden away or is it on a shelf or so is it on your arm or not? That, that's the, that's the thing. It's already all scratched up from, from one year of shenanigans. So I, I need a new one to look good in some photos and I can keep wearing the first one and then have the second one, keep that one fresh. Yeah. You need to um, no no sh shenanigans in a Rolex. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I thought you'd I have an Apple watch for your shenanigans. I ride my pit bikes and all sorts of my Rolex. I, I, I kind of do everything. There was some bicycle rides that I was doing in England with, with the Rolex on. Like I, I, I was wearing that thing for a while, just every single day, sleeping in it, showering in it. I didn't care really. 
going out with my friends. Everybody was like, dude, what are you doing? We're at, we're at Applebee's. Why do you have a Rolex on? <laughs> well, you know, the girls at Applebee's are probably pretty impressed with a Rolex. Yeah, they, they all think it's fake. Right. <laughs> 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 hey, Brandon, wasn't it you a couple of years ago that I thought it was a Kawasaki ZX CXR that you were riding on a motocross track? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my little Ninja 250, I, I've had that. Oh, your 250. Was, yeah. Yeah. I got that when I was like 12 years old. And uh, I don't know, we were just bored one day at the go-kart track. And we're like, oh, there's a supermoto section. Let's let's go hit that on the, on the Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> well you know in all seriousness and i want to talk about that because you'd sent us some videos recently and we love them whenever we get them from any of our riders of what they're doing to train during the off season but i want to talk about what you're doing because obviously you going into a turn on a supermoto bike tripping those tires is is cool for everybody to see but what what skills is it helping you with is it is it balance is it understanding tire grip i mean what what can you what wisdom can you impart on our on riders that why you do that other than the fact that it's a hell of a lot of fun for you to do it uh well i mean firstly for me i do it because it's fun i like that's that's the whole reason i race in general right like i, I enjoy it it's what i love to do and if i didn't enjoy it i wouldn't be doing it so um that's the first thing for me and also yeah i mean like you say, it's just in general, physical training wise, it's good training because anytime that you can be on a motorcycle, pushing it to the limit, you're going to be working your body pretty hard. So, um, just spending time on that fine line of, of sending yourself to the moon and putting in a good lap time. Anytime that you can be in that window, it's, it's good, good time for you. Like you start to pick up on a lot of little different things, just like muscles that you wouldn't normally use or, uh, just learning that that edge of grip and and stuff like that it's there's a lot of little things that you can pull out of it but I don't if I'm honest I don't go into that much detail when I'm doing it like I I know that it's helping with all those things but I don't overly focus on it I just kind of do it push myself as hard as I can and and I'll notice the benefits when I'm on the 1000 later on in the year when I'm uh, towards the end of a race and the thing just spinning out of control and I can't keep it wheels in line that's that's when I'm going to notice the difference is when I'm super tired, my heart rate's at 180 beats per minute and, and we got three laps to go and, and you just have to push through it. So that's kind of where, where I stand with it is just the more time you can spend on any bike, not just a supermoto, any, any bike and, and be pushing the limits like that. It's, it's just, it's good for, good for business. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about kind of your career a little bit too. Paul alluded in the beginning or mentioned the fact that, you know, you are uh, one of our champions in um, KTM early on, and and we saw your career advance very rapidly, as well as your 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 stature, your physical stature and height. But it's been an interesting career for you because you've kind of gone back and forth between here in the United Kingdom and in England. And two years ago, it was great when we were in our series, and you know it was Sean Dillon Kelly and Richie, and you were you were right there among the top runners in that class all year long. And then at the end of the year we find out that you were going back over to England and we, you know, we wish you well, but lamented the fact that you weren't in our series this past year. Now you're going to be back into it again. How has it been that you've kind of done that? And also, can you tell us a little, I understand you also are working or shaky burn is working with you. Is he your agent? Tell us about your sort of international connections and, and how that's happened over the past few years. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually, it's been a bit of a, an interesting ride to be fair. I mean, uh, so bringing it back to yeah like like we said so 2016 I won the KTM championship and got promoted the next season up to Supersport with M4 and we got three rounds into the season and and there was a 
a bit of an ordeal there, which we, we wound up parting ways. And I mean, that was quite unfortunate, really. Um, I think we could have done the Sean Dillon Kelly route before Sean Dillon Kelly was, was even there. So um, that was quite unfortunate, but that left me without a ride halfway through 2017. And uh, we were just looking around, looking around, couldn't find anything in Moto America. And, and uh, a stock 600 team in BSB was like, hey, we have a bike that's available. If you want to come ride at a couple races, just come over, have some fun see what it's all about and, and see if you're interested. And I went over there and <clears throat> kind of got sucked into the whole racing in Europe thing again. And, uh, did a couple rounds of stock 600 met a bunch of teams. And when I was there, I made sure I talked to every single person I could and just, I don't know, you, like the way I am is just when I'm at the track, uh, whenever there's time, whether it's early in the morning or, or when, when the, the riding's done for the day, I'm, I'm out mingling around and just, I guess everybody says I always come off looking like I'm all happy and just talking to everybody. So <laughs> I made some connections while I was there. Just like I said, just walking around, talking to people, saying hi. And, um, got an opportunity at one of the races in 2017 to ride a Moto3 bike, which was always a goal of mine. And uh, there was a, a round where Stock 600 didn't go and Moto3 was there. So they were like, yeah, come come ride a Moto3. This was the, the Microlyze Creswell Mahindra team who are still really good friends of ours. Um, they kind of became like a family and uh, yeah, they, they invited me out to, to do that thing. And then the, the very next weekend I wound up riding a KTM Moto3 in the junior world championship. And yeah, it just, it spiraled out of control from there. It was just like, uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. I think in 2017, I rode like five or six different bikes and like four different championships. So I was kind of bouncing all over the place and uh, kind of, found my home in BSB, so to speak, with the, with the Mahindra team in Moto3 in 2018 for my first full year over there. Um, and, and it was great. Like, I just really enjoyed the atmosphere being over there. And people over there really love racing. And you show up to Cadwell Park and there's 100,000 people there on a Sunday. There's no other feeling like it. So um, for me, that was just like a – it was it's almost like a drug. Like, you, you go over there and you start to feel like this – this crazy sensation just being there racing and it's it's a feeling that you don't want to give up and and that next year like I, I went back on a KTM and Moto3 won the championship and that whole year was just like a kind of like a dream to be honest like you're showing up to all these races in another country fighting for race wins winning races and uh like seeing so many spectators at the track and like that that, that year was kind of crazy for me it was super uh super amazing like there's there's not many words that i can use to describe that year but it was great like a dream come true as far as winning the british championship and being the first american to win a british title and uh after a bunch of people have tried like rispoli and hopkins and stuff they all spent a couple of years over there and for me to be the first one i was kind of like wow that's pretty cool i mean yeah it was a moto three championship and and not super sport or super bike but still it's a championship and it's not easy no matter what championship you're in it's not easy to win one so um i was super pumped with that and also like i said a little bit a little bit ago like racing a moto gp weekend for my first time was absolutely unreal like that was definitely a dream come true i've been looking forward to that day since i was eight years old so uh, it was kind of like a a lot of a lot of boxes ticked in 2019 and honestly i was supposed to stay over there again in 2020 i was supposed to ride a moto two bike in the british championship um and and then COVID hit and we were kind of scrambling 
put together a program with the with the Celtic team last minute and um and yeah come back racing in America and I I think we might have surprised a couple people at, at least like we just showed up out of nowhere and was fighting for podiums all, all season long so um that was actually a really good year for me too as far as results go just being at the front every weekend and having my first full season on a 600 and and really uh starting to find my feet on the on the big bikes and I mean my goal was always to to be in Europe and and when I got the call with with Triumph at the end of the season I was like yeah okay I'm I'm going back and um yeah it, it was it was kind of crazy just going back and forth for the past couple of years between England and America like you're showing up to tracks and you're like man I haven't been here in two years and you're trying to relearn where the bumps are and relearn the tires because it's different from here on Dunlops to there on Pirelli's and just <clears throat> there's so much so much little little things that you're trying to relearn going back and forth and and even just down to like me moving out of my own house after uh after spending a full year with my friends and family and and then just up and leaving everybody again and and being by myself for seven eight months of the year in, in England like it was kind of a culture shock this past year and and that's funny to say it after I lived there for nearly three years but I don't know, like, like coming home and spending so much time around your friends and family and, and people that I haven't seen in years and then having to just leave again. And, and like, it was middle of COVID still kind of, so traveling wasn't really an option and, and just being kind of isolated because I was living by myself and uh, yeah, it, it was a, a difficult one. And, and honestly, I was kind of ready to come home at the end of the year. So um, yeah, I'm stoked to be back in America this year for sure. Well, we're, we're stoked to have you back. And, and I was going to transition to that by mentioning, I, I've talked to Kevin Rodeo a little bit over the off season and they've got this deal put together with HSBK and twins cup with them, um, with uh, obviously Gus and Anthony Maziato, two good friends of yours. And Kevin lamented that you couldn't also be on the team. So it'd be the three musketeers again, but I, I needed to give a shout out to those guys because uh, having you Jersey boys all back together and you talk about how you smile through the paddock. I'm, I'm sure that's going to add to your smiling in the paddock this year to be around those two guys again. Wouldn't you say Brandon? Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's kind of like my second family, man. Like I, I yeah. spend more time around, around Anthony and Gus and Kevin, like Kevin's kind of like a second dad to me where I'm always hey. down there at their house. They, they live like an hour away from me. I'm always there and, riding with Gus on dirt bikes and I've been taking that kid to the supermoto track since he was like 12 years old. So, um, just, yeah, seeing him progress and obviously seeing Maz back racing is it's, uh, exciting for me because it, it's, uh, we're like a traveling family now, you know, like we're, we're all going to the races. It's, it's, it's great to have people at the track that when I'm having a bad weekend, I can, I can go hang out with them guys and talk to them and, and not feel like I'm alone, you know, where, BSB if I'm having a bad weekend I didn't even have anywhere to go I was sitting in the in the garage in the back of the team truck just pissed off nobody to talk to and not having a good time usually in the pouring rain so <laughs> so now at least like I, I have some people I can I can go talk to and kind of kind of get your mind off things if it's not going right and and vice versa like for them to have me there and and help them as much as I can and and also when we're having good weekends, we can, we can uh, share that experience with each other as well. So it's a good situation for us. And New Jersey's coming, coming in strong this year. We got Gus going for the junior cup and twins cup championships, Maz going for the twins cup championship, and then me coming for the stock thousand titles. So 
we're, we're taking over this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Brandon. Well, we're very happy that you're back and, uh, and we're going to let you go here so you can make sure you make your flight. I don't want to be responsible for your first missed flight of the year, but uh, yeah. good luck in Daytona. And we'll obviously see you down there and then it'll be fun having you here for the rest of the season. So we're happy about that. Sweet. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can jump back on another podcast here at some point with, uh, with some results. <laughs> there you go. We'll talk to you soon, Brandon. Absolutely. Sweet. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Have a yeah. good